back to school, everybody. This week, we're starting out with a fun little Q&A with our two older girls, Annabelle and Lila, and then we dive into one of the most requested topics for our podcast, parenting. We're sharing some of the most helpful books and resources and ideas we've picked up along the way from experts in the field of parenting, what really works for us, and we end with our fail-proof source for parenting help and advice. I'm here with my oldest child. What's your name? Annabelle. Annabelle what? Stoko. Okay, and Annabelle, how old are you? Six. Annie, what grade are you in? First grade. First grade. Cool. Okay, I have some fun questions for you. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. Annabelle, what's the best thing about being a big sister? Helping the others. Oh, that's nice. What do you do to help the others? Um, help Millie, help Lila, and help my mom and dad. That's so true. You're such a good helper. What kind of things do you like to help with? Um, in case if you almost drop something, I'll catch it. That's so true. What else? Um, I could carry stuff for you. Yep, you do that. You do a great job of that. Okay, Annabelle, what's your favorite thing you do with just dad? Um, go surfing. Mm-hmm. You like to go surfing, huh? Uh-huh. Okay, what's your favorite... And swimming. Oh, swimming too. Yep. What's your favorite thing that you do with just mom? Um, do stuff on my birthday with mom. Yeah, like what? Like go shopping or... Shop for stuff for my birthday. Love it. We like to go shopping together, huh? Uh Uh-huh. Okay. What do you love most about Dad? Uh, That I could buzz his head. (laughs) You like it when his head's buzzed? Yeah. Yeah. What else? That he's so fuzzy. (laughs) He calls you fuzzy, doesn't he? Okay. What's your favorite thing about Mom? Um, she always wears cute stuff. (laughs) Oh, thanks, Annabelle. What do mom and dad do for work? Um, work on their computers and do podcasts like right now. Yep. What are we doing on our computers? Working and doing calls and podcasts and everything like that. Yeah. Okay. Good job. What do you want to be, Annabelle, when you grow up? I don't know yet. That's a good answer. Do you have any ideas of things you might want to do? Um, I might want to do tumbling. I might want to do basketball. I might want to ride a horse or something like that. But I'm focusing on something that I could earn money on. Yeah, that's smart. Like what? Like being a cafeteria girl or um, being someone at Camp Bow Wow or something like that. Love it. What do you want to do with the money that you earn? Um, buy stuff. Buy stuff? Like what? What would you buy? Animals. Animals? Pets for my room. Wow. Like what kind of pets? Um, hamsters, bunnies, rats. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. All those animals that eat our house are going to stay outside. Mm, that's a good idea. But when I pet them, I'm going to go back inside and wash. Wash your hands? 
That's a smart idea. Okay, Annabelle, what is your favorite thing about Lila? Um, that we do things together. Oh, I love that answer. Okay, what's your favorite thing at Disneyland? Toys. Toys? Disneyland toys. Okay. Yeah, you guys do like to look at the toys. Annabelle, what is the best snack to eat in the car? Um, Cheez-Its. Cheez-Its? Cheez-Its are yummy. And because they're very, 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 very cheesy. They are very cheesy. That's true. What's your favorite family tradition? Um, oh, I know. It's something when, that we do after my birthday. What's Go that? trick-or-treating. That's true. The day after is Halloween, huh? Uh-huh. Because my birthday's on October 30th. That's right. What's your favorite family vacation that you remember? Um, When we went to... The Disney Cruise and Alani. Yeah, those were both really fun family trips, huh? Uh-huh. Hopefully we can do that again someday. I'm going to go on the Disney Cruise with you and Mommy and Daddy and Millie and Lila. Yeah, I hope so. That would be really fun. Okay, Annabelle, my last question for you is what makes you special? Because my parents love me. Aww, I love that. We do love you so much. Okay, I'm here with my second oldest daughter. What's your name? Lila. Lila what? Lucia. Good girl. How old are you? Four. Good girl. And what grade are you in this year? Um, uh, TK. Good girl. That's right, Lila Bear. Can I ask you some questions for my podcast today? Yeah. Okay. All right, Lila, what do you want to be when you grow up? A superhero. A superhero. I love that. Okay. What's your favorite thing to do with Just Daddy? Get push pop from the gas station. Yeah. What's your favorite thing to do with Just Mommy? Um, get a lollipop. Get a lollipop? Okay. Lila, what do Mommy and Daddy do for work? Um, do something on their computers. Yeah, what are we doing on our computers? Working. Working? Okay. What do you love most about Annabelle? Playing cats. Playing cats. That's very sweet. Do you like to match with Annabelle? Yeah. With our K-shirts that has butterflies on them. The kitty shirts with butterflies. Yes, you love those shirts, huh? What's your favorite dinner that Mommy makes? Um, fish and rice. Fishy and, and pineapple. Rice. Yes, and pineapple. Is that what we're eating for dinner tonight? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Right now. Yep. Lila, who's your favorite grandparent? Mommy and Daddy. No, your well, Mommy and Daddy are your parents. Who's your favorite of your grandmas and grandpas? Um, Dad, Dad, and Grandma. 
Gaga and Gramos. Which one? If you have to pick one, who's your favorite? Better the Jacob. Jacob. <laughs> okay. Gaga, I think that question backfired I mean, on you. Aunt Brookie. Oh, Aunt Brookie. Okay. What's your favorite thing to do at Disneyland? Get a bubble machine. Get a bubble machine. Okay. What are the best snacks to eat in the car? Dry like fruit that are bars. Dry like fruit that are bars. I like it. And Lila, what's your favorite ride at Disneyland? Um, Splash Mountain, Blind Corner, Under My Clothes is a rain. Um, a raincoat. A raincoat? So I don't get wet on my clothes. Oh, that's so smart. Next time, bring a raincoat. Lila is my clean and neat girl. Okay, Lila. Last question. What makes Lila Bear special? Um, when I get a special ring that's shiny. When you get a special ring that's shiny? Lila, what is the best thing about you? When I... When I go to school? When you go to school, so you can learn things. Yeah. Yeah, you're such a smart girl. Thanks for doing this for me. I love you. You guys. It's the week that we've all been looking forward to or dreading or whatever the case may be, maybe a mixture of both, and that is back to school week. Back to school. How are you feeling about it, Neil? I actually feel really good about it. I'm yeah. actually totally pumped <laughs> because it gives a little bit of structure to Neil our loves day. structure. It's nice. Get into a good rhythm. Creature of habit over here. Yes. And I definitely was the, as a kid, did you love back to school or is this just as an I, adult? I didn't. It was so like just anxiety and yeah. everything's new and new classes and like, ah, I just, I, it was, I didn't like it a lot. That's funny. I always had a total struggle internally and I think I still do where I loved the change. I, Neil and I are super different with that. I love change. I think it's exciting. I think it's fun to meet new classmates meet your new teacher or teachers I think I really owe that to my dad my Neil and I have talked about this my dad growing up always framed change in an exciting way he would always be like Corinne going to a new school or moving to a new neighborhood this is so exciting because you get to be whoever you want to be anything that's happened in the past any conflict or anything weird that happened with anybody it's all gone it's all in the past you get a fresh start so I've always been excited about change, but, you know, we've got lots of different personalities. Even within our own family, I feel like our kids deal with that differently. It was funny taking Annabelle to her first day of school. She just kept saying, Mom, I feel like there's bubbles in my tummy. And I said, oh, those are butterflies. That just means you're excited. So that was fun to see her. And Lila was just, like, bouncing out of her seat so excited to go to her first day. And I don't think there was any anxiety with her. I think she was it was all excitement for her. So she was pumped. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun to see their little personalities and how they deal with things differently. So today we're going to talk a little bit about parenting. 
And some of the things that we've learned, we are just to put this out there right at the very beginning. <laughs> we're not claiming to be experts. We're definitely not experts. I have no idea what I'm doing. All. Disclaimer. No. One of my I've favorite lines. One of my favorite lines from a show that we love, Friday Night Lights, is when Tammy says to her husband, I have the exact same amount of parenting experience as you do. Like we're we're on the same page here as like we're only six, almost seven years into this, but that doesn't make us experts. But we've been very fortunate to stumble upon some experts who have helped us. And so we're just sharing, I guess, what we've learned from people who actually are experts. And so that's what we're going to discuss today for just a minute and talk about things that have helped us. So we're going to start with Parenting with Love and Logic. This is a book that Neil and I read, I don't know, two or three years ago that I feel like was a gigantic game changer for us. And the magic between parenting with love and logic, I feel like, and maybe you you can speak for yourself, but I feel like the amazing thing with parenting with love and logic was it taught us how to lovingly hand situations, problems, consequences to our children and let them feel their own consequences rather than taking them on and then feeling like, I, I felt like for several years as a new parent, I was trying to figure out how to discipline my children without becoming someone that they would resent or fear or I I wanted them to learn how to be good citizens, to be respectful children, to follow rules and be compliant, but but not in a way where I was forcing them to do something they didn't want to do. I wanted them to figure out how to love to be obedient on their own, if that makes sense. So I feel like Parenting with Love and Logic has really helped us learn how to teach our children every choice has a consequence and they have lots of choices and they can be the master of their own their own destiny. destiny. I don't yeah. know. That sounds no, really cheesy. I like, but... the, I like that book especially because – I think so much of parenting, what I'm realizing after reading this book and learning from it, is it's about teaching kids or teaching your kids how to make choices mm -hmm. themselves in, and getting to the point where they're, once they do, you know, go off on their own, that they understand how to make correct choices and, you know, and keeping them from a situation where you've made their, their decisions for them their entire life. So that then when they get out on their own, they're just kind of like they don't know what to do and they make a bunch of mistakes and the costs are a lot higher as an adult. Whereas, you know, it's kind of like, hey, you forgot your homework in, in first grade. It's not the end of the world. But, you know, you get into a situation where you don't show up for work when you're 20, um, you know, it might be a different story. Right. So I like I like the concept behind it to where you're you're creating learning opportunities when the costs are lower. Yes. And helping your children to learn and grow and, and understand how to make choices when, when those costs are low and then preparing them basically for when they're adults to make cho choices on their own. And I even, in this book, it talks about when can you start implementing parenting with love and logic. And they, they give this example of as soon as your child understands that when they throw their food or they throw their sippy cup on the floor, they get a reaction, that's when you can start implementing it. So this morning, it was just Millie and me. Neil took off to get a haircut, and the kids had gone to school, so I was just with Millie. I made her some pancakes, and I gave her a little sippy cup of water, which she's loving lately. 
And I gave it to her and turned my back to do something else, clean up the dishes or whatever. And then I noticed it fell on the floor. And I thought, oh, okay. So I went over and picked it up and set it back down. And then I watched her throw the sippy cup on the floor deliberately and then look up at me. And I was like, oh, now you think this is a game. Now you think this Mm -hmm. is funny to watch mom pick it up off the floor. So I picked it up one last time and set it on her, her high chair just in case. I maybe misread that, and then I watched her do it immediately again, and I was like, okay, now you're done. So I picked it up and set it on the counter. And so these behaviors and the whole choices and consequences thing can be started from a very, very, very young age. I mean, Millie can't say more than three words, but she understands that if she throws her sippy cup on the floor and kind of has this little grin on her face, she knows that it's now become a game. So anyway, it that... I guess example just shows that you can start this pretty much as soon as they have any type of reasoning skills or logic at all. So one thing that we wanted to talk about um, that I think is very timely, and this was a huge aha moment for me when I read Parenting with Love and Logic, is the subject of grades and getting in trouble at school. And we've had one of our children takes after daddy. And she's been sent to the principal's office. I went to the principal's office a lot growing up. Pretty much every year of my elementary school existence, I was in the principal's office uh, like multiple times. Yeah. And into middle school. So Annabelle is a lot like her dad. And I think she just likes to test the boundaries. She likes to kind of test out, okay, how is this adult going to react to me? What, how much can I push them? And... So we've watched her kind of go through that with each new school she's been at. She's been at a few different, like a preschool and then TK and then kindergarten last year. And then now she's in first grade. So she's been through different schools and had this experience. And this book really taught me, instead of taking that on and feeling like, oh, my gosh, you're failing as a parent. What's wrong with you? Any parent whose kid is going to the principal's office is like you're doing something severely wrong. Instead, to just ask her, oh, how did this make you feel? What happened? And and try to completely take the emotion out of it so she doesn't feel like she's facing me and I'm going to make her feel fearful about my reaction. Instead, I'm just putting it right back on her and saying, what are you going to do about it? How did it make you feel? What do you think you'll do next time? And then she has to own those consequences instead of me getting angry with her because I feel kind of ashamed or embarrassed and then she can be mad at me for being the bad guy, you know, instead it puts it back on her. So that was another thing that I feel like Love and Logic taught me. But so the book really is set up in like 50% of it lays out the foundation for parenting with Love and Logic. And then the second half of it, it's pretty cool. It's broken down into tons and tons of different categories of just parenting challenges that you may find yourself in anything from getting ready these are just like some struggles so getting ready for school entertainment they even have a chapter on divorce chores all kinds of things but the grades one was very interesting to me so here's what they say here's the cardinal rule for grades and report cards parents don't get report cards kids do 
The children sit in class, the children receive the instruction, the children do the work, and the children get the grade. For parents to be effective in dealing with report card issues, they must keep the monkey on the kids' backs. It is important that children know that the report card is their business. As parents, we care. Our caring might even shade into concern. But solving the problem, that's our children's business. Foster remembers vividly how wise... Sorry, Foster is one of the authors. Foster remembers vividly how wise his dad always kept the report card problem as Foster's responsibility. As a kid in elementary school, Foster had a very difficult time getting started in school. One time he came home with straight D's. His dad looked over his report card, took out his fat black fountain pen and paused. Son, are you proud of this? Foster answered, no, sir. That's good, son. Then the father signed the report card back. This ritual occurred time and time again. Thank goodness Foster never said he was proud of the report card. He would have had tutoring, private schooling, and heaven knows what all. The following chart, and so they have a chart on here, but I really like this. In sum, when the kid performs like turkeys, when kids perform like turkeys but want to become eagles, they eventually fly like pros. But when they perform like turkeys and feel like eagles, they never get off the ground. So what are your thoughts on this, Neil? No, that's a good... This one, this one, I think there are a few reactions that are natural to have, at least for me as a parent. I think one is, you know, the the concept that your kid is a reflection of you. And a lot of that I feel like has to do with social pressures. So, you know, in in report cards or even just in like, especially in like in, in public settings, when there's misbehavior or something like that, there's this kind of unspoken feeling of a social pressure of like, hey, are you going to control your kid or are you going right. to step in on that? Are you going to do something or are you just going to let that fly? And like, and even I've, I mean, prior to having kids, I was even the one that was like, man, these people's kids are out of control. But now understanding as a parent, I mean, I mean, obviously I'm going to, going to step in in certain situations or if there's danger or something like that. But, but I think a lot of times in order for kids to learn and understand how to make correct choices, sometimes they need to feel and understand the implications of what they do. So it's kind of like letting it come back on them and letting, you know, in in a controlled situation that's safe, letting them make decisions. And if there is a, a response that they're, that's not favorable, that obviously isn't going to be like hurtful or, or, you know, dangerous, but allowing the consequences of the situation to play out to where they can see it. And they're like, oh, I don't want to do that because I don't want to do that. Not because my dad or my mom told me not to do it. Or got angry with me or or now I'm in trouble or my parents are going to get super mad at me. Yeah, I feel like it's been a temptation for me to be like, oh, my gosh, Annabelle, whatever, you know, freak out about certain things that happen. And Lila will get there, too. She's just not old enough. She's barely in preschool. But it's been interesting to try to have this mindset and to sit down and talk to her and say, so Annie, what happened? And she'll tell me and then I'll say, how did that make you feel? And she tells me and then, and I think that to Annabelle's credit and, you know, she's only six, almost seven. So this definitely could and probably will change, but she's pretty good about telling us what's Which going on. Which is super on. important to us, I think. Yeah. And I think that, that one thing that has helped kind of pave the way for that is to try to hold back on those emotional responses, but to just let her talk about how it made her feel so that the consequences fall back on her. And once again, we are not parenting experts, but 
it has been really interesting to me that when we've read this book, Parenting with Love and Logic, especially as Neil and I have read it together or at the same time and then discussed the principles in there and then tried to apply them, it's like magic. It works. These it principles work. really do work and very, a lot very of it, well. I mean, one thing that I use is they talk a lot about giving your kids choices. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, would you like to walk upstairs or would you like me to carry you upstairs? Would you like me to... You know, and and giving them and not not necessarily manipulative choices where you're like either you know ultimatums like do this or else, but basically building it up to where it puts them in the driver's seat. And I think especially with our with Lila, <laughs> our little preschooler, like everything's cool as long as she feels like she's in control. But the moment that you're kind of like, hey, I want you to do this, you have to do this the pushback is so strong, yep. but it's That's amazing. It works. It works wonders when it's like, would you like to wear a blue coat or would you like to wear a red coat? And then suddenly she's like, oh yeah, I want to wear a red coat. But, and the book gives a little example too of leaving the house without, you know, a, a kid saying like, Hey, I don't want to wear a coat today. And then and the mom was like, it's cold outside. Are you sure? You know, it's up to you. But ultimately the kid leaves the house without the, the coat on and and they go and it's cold outside and you can hear him shivering in the back seat and then you know he speaks up and is like uh, actually I would like to have my coat please and then they turn around and get it and do they, they turn around and get it I think they I think they do I'll have to revisit I'm pretty yeah, sure they do I'm or, not sure or, that they do or they, because or the, she may have just time, said well next well time, next time do you yeah. think you want to wear your coat next time and and then he's like yeah. I, I think probably that's I think more they, likely I what happened. I think they do that. I'd have to revisit that part, but it's, a, you know. Because definitely the the parenting with love and logic way would be to say, oh, well, that's that's a smart choice for next time, you know. And, and I love this, too. They say if your kid misbehaves, instead of feeling like you need to hurry and think of the consequence, it's totally okay to say, oh, okay, well, mom and dad are going to need to talk about it and come up with a consequence. And... Usually they'll say, well, what's my consequence? I want to know. And the best thing to say is try not to worry about it. We'll talk about it later because the only thing they're going to do is worry about it. But really, again, just putting those consequences back on the kid because that's how the real world works. That's really parenting with love and logic is also all about trying to create scenarios for young children where they can feel something like what the real world will feel like someday so that they feel like, oh, if I leave my lunch at home, and I call mom, like when you're 20 years old and you leave your lunch at home or you just run out of money or whatever, you just don't have anything to eat or you don't have any more money. No one's there to bring you your lunch when you're exactly. in college. So when, yeah. you know, when a, when a elementary age kid leaves their lunch at home and the mom gets the phone call, the love and well, the parenting with love and logic way would be to say, oh, that's too bad. Hopefully you'll figure something out. And I'm sure tomorrow you'll probably remember your lunch because it's going to sting just a little bit when they're a kid. But if this is like just a scenario, but when they're 20 years old and they don't pay their credit card bill and they figure like, oh, well, some something or someone will bail me out of this, the consequences are much higher. We're talking about like credit scores and their future and being able to, you know, find an apartment and have a loan and all kinds of things, you know, because of choices and consequences and learning to be responsible. And anyway, that's just one like random scenario. But um, I really feel like, and again, with this book too, and any book, 
nothing out there that we've found is perfect other than our our faith in the gospel. I feel like those are those are very we can always take that to the bank and that's our personal belief system. But with even with this parenting with love and logic, if you listen to my episode with Ralphie, which Ralphie's another incredible parenting resource and we love her and really respect her and have learned so much from her. But I even brought this book up where there are some things in here that I don't agree with as far as like create these scenarios where you have a friend who's like creeping, you know, 20 feet behind your kid and making sure they're safe. But when they throw a fit, you have them get out of the car and then pretend that they're walking home by themselves. Like there's stuff like that where I'm like, that is so out of the realm of reality. I'm not going to call my friend and ask them to like drive behind our kids so that they feel afraid and they're walking home. Anyway, so there are some things in here where you have to use your own belief system and say like, is that on par for us or is it not? But for the most part, I feel like a lot of the concepts that we've learned in this book have greatly helped us to understand how to teach our children to take on consequences themselves and to make choices and then to hopefully have good consequences from good choices and then feel a little bit of the weight of not as great of choices so that, you know, they're teaching themselves. You learn from your own experience. Mm-hmm. I th- and I look at a lot of the concepts here, like my family was a lot, uh, like a lot more, I don't know, I guess you'd say like, dis- like I don't want to say disconnected, but a little, oh, not as, as tight. I mean, my mom used to kind of joke about it that we live in a hotel. People just kind of come and go and we, you know, eat together, but then go do our own things. But I think what they were really good at was allowing a lot of independence to where it was kind of like, hey, if I didn't get my homework done, it's because I didn't get my homework done. Um, You know, there wasn't like a lot of like, hey, did you do your homework? What did you write that paper? You know, did you do this? Did you do that? And so I think, you know, there were in middle school or or a lot of times where I didn't get good good grades or I, you know, did poorly and they let me like they let me fail and and would talk to me about it. Like, what do you think about this? Like, you know, what's going on? But ultimately they let me you feel the weight of those consequences. And so that later on when I was, you know, in college and I was, I paid for it myself, um, and I had to work for that. Um, so one, if I did poorly in a class or something happened there, like financially, I'd feel the hit on that. But then also just because of, I think it was, was helpful to be prepared growing up to, for my parents to kind of give me, put those consequences back on me so that when it was in, you know, college time that it was like, hey, I'm all on my own, but I know how to make these choices and and be responsible, even though it wasn't perfect. Um, I think that I was, I was better equipped than I would have been. Um, I think had someone kind of been making those choices for me up until that point. So I, I like that. I like the concept. And, and I think, I mean, in relation to you know, even beliefs like with God and, you know, what we believe in, talking about there being a plan and agency as like a key part of that plan and how important that was. And and if you, you know, you read in the Bible or, you know, some of these scriptures, it talks about the lengths that were, were gone to to make agency possible. Clearly that was important to, to, to God. And so, mm-hmm. you know, when I think of with my kids, I'm like, man, I need to, I need to 
leave that intact. Like I need to give them, obviously, you know, they, they need a lot of supervision with it, but I, I don't want to create situations where I'm 100% all the time taking away their agency. So I've, I don't know. I've thought a lot about that. I think that's an interesting concept in, in looking at that and then looking at our own relationship with our kids and, you know, in a controlled way, a lot, still allowing them that agency so that they learn how to use it and develop and, and can learn how to make choices on their own. So really cool, really cool book. I, the trick to this book, though, what I found for myself, and I think like we've talked about it, is you have to revisit it. Yes. Because it like the you skills, whenever I read it and then I apply it, like it works like magic. I'm like, man, my kids are just listening to everything I say, and this is great, and they're following directions. But then it's almost like a foreign language. Like I'll, I'll start to lose it, and I'll start to going back to threats and ultimatums because it's a, it's a quick result, you know? Like it, it just gets things done quickly. But it also, I think there's a lot of negative that, that comes out of that. And, you know, yeah, you know, early on, it's easy to force kids or, you know, pick them up and carry them and make them do stuff. But then there comes a point where, you know, they're teenagers, they get older. Suddenly what, what happens when you can't do that? What happens when you can no longer force them? And then you've got a major problem on your hands. So it's creating a scenario where you're preparing for that time to where the dialogue is there and the conversation can be had to where they can be walked through the potential consequences, positive and negative, of their choices, and then you help direct them or, or give them an opportunity to make that that choice based on, you know, your conversation with them. Yeah. More as a guide. You're, you're acting more as a guide, which I, I think is, is great. I love that too. Another book that we really love that, actually, I don't know if you've read this, Neil, but I've read part of it and I, I've revisited it a few times. I need to read it cover to cover, but I've consulted it a lot, is Christ-like Parenting by Glenn Latham. I know that Ralphie has credited him for a lot of the principles that she uses in her teachings, and I've really enjoyed this book. Even if you're not a Christian, if you're a faith-based person, there's just a lot of really great concepts in here that have resonated so strongly with me. And one that I feel, one concept that I feel like has been consistent with all of these parenting methods or teachers or experts has been to be happy, to be in control of yourself, to never lose control, to not use anger as a way to get what you need your kid to do. And he talks about in a chapter called Be of Good Cheer, he talks about how important it is for your children to see you happy. And I love this part. He says, there is a great lesson here for parents who are grieving and anguishing over the behavior of their children. Parent as Christ would parent and be of good cheer. Satan loves it when our countenance falls. He loves it when we droop and we're down and dark. That is not Christ's way. His countenance is a joyous one. And then he references Acts 2.28. So it just talks about like how important it is to be happy, to be of good cheer. And that um, I like this, I guess Henry Drummond said, Christianity wants nothing so much in the world as sunny people. And I love that. I, I just feel like when you are happy and joyful, that even if your kids are, I mean, that's that's one thing that I feel like I've seen too, if our kids are kind of throwing a tantrum, we really try to use that mentality of ignore the junk and just focus on the positive. And if, if they can see that you're still happy and they're not getting a reaction out of you, then it's not that fun to yeah. throw a big fit or to, 
you know. And suddenly there's not a game right. to be played with it. Right. But I think I, I really like what, you know, uh, several different, that's the just what you basically read. And I've heard, you know, Ralphie talk about it was being like about being a safe place mm-hmm. or Stay being, safe. you know, staying safe. And, and basically the, the idea that if you're calm and you're in a good spot and you're, you're not so like reactionary to everything, that that creates an environment where they feel like they can, you know, communicate with you better. And I think for me, that's something that I'm working on doing and getting better at. Yeah, me too. Um, times, it's, it's hard times to do it. You get, you get frustrated. <laughs> Things happen and it's Neil's just like, way man, more patient I'm just like, the patience isn't there. And I feel bad in those moments where I'm just like, you know, I, I really make it a point to never yell at my kids. I think I yelled, <laughs> I yelled one time. There was a, a flat screen TV that I had propped up against a couch, and Annabelle was probably like a little over two, and I never yelled at her, and she was grabbing this flat screen TV, and it was about to tip back on her, and I yelled her name really loud, and she just started crying, and I felt so bad about it. I've I've never yelled at her since, um, you know, in in that way. I cannot say the same. But I it's definitely. But it's hard. But I yell. get I get frustrated though. I get short with them and I get I get results oriented where I'm like, look, you know, do this or, or I'm going to pick you up and take you to your room. Like, you know, or ultimatums and threats and like, hey, it's either my way or, you know, time out, you know, which which there's better ways to do it. And so I'm, I'm working on that. And and flat out, I think it's hard. I, I'm, I'm guessing this is kind of universal. Maybe there's some people out there that just don't struggle with that. But, <laughs> but it. props to you. Come, um, Please call me. I want to hear how you do it. But I think I really like that concept because I think as kids get older and you get into teenage years especially, I really it's so important for me, and I think we've talked about it, to keep the communication lines open. I really want my kids to feel like they can come to me with anything, especially hard things where they like they don't understand something. And I think both of I think we've talked about how both of our parents, sets of parents, we credit them for learning that and and really honing in on that. I remember being shocked watching my youngest brother Jake come home from a date and just openly talk about like, yeah, I just made out with this girl and like how he felt safe <laughs> to be to Jake. Shout out Jake. whatever. Jake. I, but just, Not I was amazed. I was like, yeah. you know what? He feels safe talking to my parents about anything. And they really had worked hard to create this environment where they wanted him to feel like he could talk about whatever. And I feel like you, you know, have said that, the same thing about that's your really parents. Impressive. Well, and I've, I've seen that in your family. That's something that I, I see. I'm like, wow, that's really cool. Like we, we didn't communicate so casually like I you know I we were bad communicators we'd come home and it'd be like how's how was your day and it was like good you know how was this great you know like okay you know but I really think it's cool like I, I think to be able to watch that um and I think it's a lot different now in my family I mean we're, we're a lot older but in your family I've seen that to where I've I watched your brother I watched Jake do that and just be so open about you know what happened at school and even things that were like he flat out knew was going to upset your parents. He would just like Mm -hmm. casually talk about it. And I'm like, you know, man, that's so good because I think that it takes the shame out of situations and it takes away the secrecy, which, you know, we talk a lot about recovery and and these are kind of two components that drive addiction. And so keeping an open dialogue like that is something that I really want to be. And I think it comes back to being a, being a safe place. 
Yeah, and one thing we learned when we did outpatient rehab, which sometimes I've mentioned on here wasn't my favorite, but one thing I feel like we did learn that I really value is they talked about different families of origin, and there was kind of a scale. And on the far end of this, like let's say on the left side was super strict, super rigid, like your parents, there was no wiggle room. You were in huge trouble if you did anything wrong. And then on the complete opposite end was there's no rules. Nobody's checking in on you. There's no structure. It's like your parents are just your friends. Yes. They're not a parent. And both extremes are where you're most likely to have a child who gets into an addiction. And somewhere in the middle where there is structure, where kids feel safe because there are rules, they know where the boundaries are, they know that their parents are watching out for them, but yet their parents aren't freaking out at them if something goes wrong, somewhere right in the middle, that's where kids are least likely, not that that's like going to create a bulletproof environment, but that's where kids are least likely to develop addictions because it's an environment where they know that they're safe because there are boundaries and they know that there are rules and things that are structured to keep them safe. But at the same time, there's room for mistakes. There's room for learning. There's room for growing. There is, yeah. There's an option, opportunity for them to be make their own choices and have have the freedom to grow. And that was something that some experts who work in the field of recovery and addiction recovery taught us. That I've I've continued to think about this all the you know all these years since we've had children. Not that we're like seasoned. I keep saying that because I don't want anyone to think like, oh, we (laughs) came on here and we're experts. I still want to go throw snowballs at cars and like be a teenager. So I I wouldn't say that I'm like a. Yeah, I don't have that desire. (laughs) But I I do. I want to be, you know, super clear. It's not like I want anyone to think like, oh, she thinks she's an expert. I don't. But I feel like there are a few things that we've picked up from people who are experts that I'm like, wow, that really changed the way I thought. And that has really we've used this concept and it's worked. And I, and I think ultimately the number one thing for me is when, and you brought this up a second ago, when I think about how our heavenly father parents us, it's that to me is foolproof. Every time I think about that, I'm like, wow, how did he set this up? How he set it up is he sent us down to earth and said, here you go. You're going to make some choices. There will be consequences depending on what choices you make. I will help you out of your bad choices. I will give you a savior. But ultimately, it's up to you. I'm not going to force you to do anything. I'm not going to coerce you to do it my way. That was Satan's plan. And I'm lovingly going to give you all kinds of help along the way. And anytime you want my help, I'm here. You want to talk to me? I'm here. I'm never going away. And I think it's interesting that God doesn't he doesn't answer every prayer. Yeah. Like it's not always like a, yeah, you want this? All right, cool. Like this, you think, you know, you need this. And I think that there are reasons for that. I think, you know, it's because there's more of a concern about our personal growth and knowing what's, what we actually need and recognizing that if he were to grant every single prayer, every time we ask that we would, you know, negate a lot of those growth opportunities, or maybe we would miss out on something that we, we actually need that's more important than what we're asking for. And so I think there are those moments where, man, I, lo- I love my kids. Like I, w- I, I, all- I want to say yes to them all the time. You know, I get asked, I was getting asked this morning, little Lila's like, you know, take me to the gas station, get me a little push pop. And I'm like, <laughs> I would love to get you a push pop right now. I'd love to get you a bunch of candy right now. 
But it's just not a good idea because you're going to go to preschool all hyped up on sugar and cause problems. And and then also I'm going to be indulging that request. And so guess what? I'm going to get asked every morning before preschool if I can have a, if you can have a push pop. And I'm like, I can't, you know, that's not going to work either. So it's, it's striking that, that balance, but it is, it's a really amazing to look at how, how God parents and, and how he handles things and how he works with us. And, and that's something that, you know, I get a lot of, or learn a lot about in reading the scriptures and seeing how God deals with his children. Um, so it's really interesting. I, I just had that, that epiphany kind of last week. I want to share just one last thought while we close this out. It's a favorite quotation of mine by Ezra Taft Benson. And he said, Nothing is going to startle us more when we pass through the veil to the other side than to realize how well we know our Father and how familiar His face is to us. And the reason why I wanted to share that is because I just wanted to remind everyone, including myself, this is such a good reminder for me, that our Heavenly Father is the ultimate parent and we are all His children, including our own children. So we really just have them on loan for a few years in our home to try to teach them good things. But really, they're not even ours so much as they are our Heavenly Father. So when we need direction for parenting, I feel like the ultimate teacher is our Heavenly Father because he's the perfect parent. Neil likes to say he's the perfect gentleman too. He's not going to interfere on our agency. He's never going to force us or coerce us to do anything we don't want to do. He sends us here and then he says, I'm here for whatever you need. You can check in with me. You can ask me. And then he gives us direction as he sees fit. And sometimes that for me is a direct answer to prayer and it's really clear and it comes really fast. And sometimes it doesn't come for a long time and or in such a direct way. Sometimes it's kind of an indirect way where I find a scripture or I have a conversation with someone or I come across a book that answers that question for me. And sometimes it just feels like it doesn't come at all in the way that I expect it to, but he's always listening. And I, I just know that that's the one source that I can always go to. And I always know that he's never going to steer me wrong because he cares so much about our success and the success of our children as well. And he knows perfectly what's best for us and what's best for them and how we can best parent them. And, you know, we pray for things like to know what our children's needs are and how to make them feel loved and how to support them. And I feel like when we say those prayers, those are the ones that, you know, really... We get answers too because, I mean, we get answers to all of our prayers, but really when we're looking to God for those answers, He's the very, very best place to look for direction because in, in our experience and in our belief, He always gives exactly what we need. I would have to agree. Well, thanks for doing this today. Hope you guys enjoyed it and good luck with the back to school and parenting and all of the ups and downs, just know that you're doing a great job. You're doing better than you think you are. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple Podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. 
And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode.